Do we have free will? Are you free willy? Choosing your life? Choosing what you think and choosing what you do? That is what we're going to think about today. And the answer, I'm going to warn you, is no. We are not free. But this is actually good news. So listen in. This is episode 37, Stumbling on Freedom, the end of free will and return of the butterflies. Today, we are going to try to tackle the crusty old ancient question of, do we have free will? It was only yesterday that I finally changed my position on this. Like 98% of humans, or maybe even 99%, I believed that I have free will, that I can choose what to do. I can choose what to think. I can change my life. And the key there, the sort of flaw in that whole equation, is the I there, the sense of self. Once, as I've been doing over this past few months with this podcast, dissolving these boundaries between my brain, my mind, my body, and the world, and realizing that, oh, I am I am just an illusion. This self that I uh, believed existed, this thing up in my head, this prefrontal cortex, is just a small piece of the story, and it's really just a kind of an illusion. I, my brain, is connected to my spinal cord, which is connected to my digestive system, which is connected to the bacteria and the bones, and, and even beyond that, my eyes are merging with the rest of the world, the light and the information, the sensory information coming in, which is connected to my past, my memories, my my culture, my childhood, uh, my species, how it evolved, the instincts, all the different parts of the brain that I don't even consciously know where they are or what they're doing, but there's billions of neurons with trillions of connections all communicating with one another to bring this conscious experience to me. And I'm going to say, oh, this conscious experience, this story, this story of I am doing this, that this is my life, to believe that that story, that, that, that thing up in the front of my brain is in command and all those billions of neurons and gazillion, bazillion seconds of time and creatures and evolutions and actions that led up to this moment, that that's not doing it? Yes, the classic argument against free will is that we are these physical things living in a physical world. And yes, we have this mental experience. We have subjectivity. We have a mind. We have consciousness. And because we have consciousness... Therefore, that consciousness must be doing this action. We must be like some kinds of, I don't know, special gods or angels within this physical determined world. And somehow we can hack and interfere through that complicated network of billiard balls and dominoes that are just falling. And we can stop those dominoes or we can turn them this way or that. That's what we like to believe because we want to believe that we can change. But what I'm going to get into today is not just, well, the sort of basic 
arguments and, and science behind why we don't have free will, but uh, even more importantly, how letting go of this idea of free will and, and therefore also the self, the sense of self, how that actually will free you and accelerate your path towards change and growth and knowledge and understanding and actually your life will get better the more you just accept and let yourself merge with space and time and the larger self that is the universe it seems that the main argument for free will for the fact that we do actively choose how to think and how to behave and how to lead our lives The main argument for that, the main sort of persuasive evidence is the experience itself. It feels like we are free. Like Daniel Dennett and John Searle and all these guys will say, when you go to the restaurant and you look at the menu, it feels like you have options that you can choose either the spaghetti or the the pizza. You can decide to drink the wine or not drink the wine. And that feels, that seems to be what's going on. And behind all that, yes, there's this feeling of an I, a character in this story, a hero on this journey that is taking those actions and is choosing which path to go down, choosing what to do, and even what to think. And I'm not going to argue against that. I have that feeling too. I've had it my whole life, and I've been holding on to it. But the mind is full of illusions. The mind can tell itself anything, and it will not let any experience of this external world or even the internal world just sit there without an explanation, without words, without language. You know, we live in a physical world, or you can, you can call it a mental world, or you can call it a, a, a spiritual world. It doesn't matter. We live in a kind of overall interconnected system of cause and effect. There are dominoes that are falling this way and that, right? Billard balls whacking around, hitting each other, causing things to move around. And somehow, as humans, we think that we are sort of outside of this. Yes, we recognize that we have a body, that we are uh, prone to the laws of physics and gravity, that we do get injured, that we are physical things, but somehow... Up here in the top front of our brains, we have this this prefrontal cortex. You might call it the mind. You might call it the self. You might call it the soul. You might call it you. And we think there's this sort of captain up here at the top of this transformer controlling the machine, that that is, that is me, that everything else is just this machine controlled by physics and science and the past, evolution. But we can change. We don't have to do what everything else is doing. We can break outside of that system. We can break the rules. We are free. That's a really cool idea. And it's a very convenient idea. Of course, we watch all these movies, uh, action movies and sci-fi movies and horror movies, any movie, any story. And there's a hero. There's a man or a woman or a creature in there who is going forward There's a self that is taking action and changing that story actively. We don't just watch a movie of a a leaf blowing in the wind. You know, like in American Beauty, it's that bag, that plastic bag blowing around. No one wants to watch that, but that's what we are in a much more beautiful way. We had an excuse 
to believe in free will 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago, even 50 years ago. But now, with the technology that we have, EEGs and, and brain scans and all kinds of uh, ways to check the electricity in the brain and to, to play with the brain, to, to touch this neuron with this electricity and, and watch the thoughts and the actions that arise from that simple stimulation, the kind of stuff they're doing at Neuralink. And even when that stimulation occurs from some electrode, from some machine outside of ourselves, it's touching that brain. It's pushing that neural circuit. It's moving the neurochemicals forward in a way that we are not choosing. But, you know, we still think that we are doing it. If you hide that top of your brain, if you hide that machine and you just close your eyes off to that stuff going off in the background, you look ahead and say, hey, that electrode didn't do it. I did it. Why am I moving my arm? Because I, I'm grabbing the glass of wine. Why am I walking over here? I'm, I'm going to work. And it's not just technology doing this. Our brain itself, the underlying structures below that frontal, prefrontal cortex, all those things down there, that underlying brain, that is running the show. The body, the neural circuits, the cells, everything that is a result of everything in your past, your species, evolution, genetics, experience, your childhood, your the ways that your parents and friends and teachers treated you, your education, your culture, your language, your hormones that are running through your system right now, how much sleep you got last night, what you ate, all of this stuff, billions and trillions and gazillions of pieces of information leading up to this conscious experience of you doing something. What a freeloader coming here right at the end and claiming that you did it, where it was really just all that old history and all those billions of neurons and trillions of connections and not to mention your digestive system and your blood and your cardiovascular system and everything else in your body doing all that work, all those dominoes falling in place, leading to this thought, leading to this behavior, and to say that I did it, well, it feels right, and that's really, really convenient. Who doesn't want to be a hero? Who doesn't want to take charge? And we had an excuse, but now, you know, science is showing us that free will just really isn't even possible, not in this world. Let's talk about a few of the famous experiments that kind of show this. Um, the big one that we all know about is the one from Benjamin Labatt uh, in the 1980s where he hooked people's brains up to an EEG and had them, he asked them to clinch their fist, to choose when to clinch their fist. And and then whenever they did it, they would, they would say, okay, now, you know, and there'd be little numbers spinning on a, a, a circle and he, they would say, ah, 14. 16, you know, that's when they chose it. But then 
when he went back and, and looked at all that electrical information, the decision, the intention was made hundreds of milliseconds before the conscious brain, the rational self, said it decided to take the action. In other words, all of these lower brain structures were already initiating that action before that explanation, that decision arose consciously in the mind. And we weren't even measuring things lower than that. What about the heart? What about the digestive tract? What about the hormone levels? What about the brain stem? What was going on there? When did this action really begin? Like the flap of a butterfly's wings, it might have happened. It might have started thousands of years ago. You might think, well, that's sad. I'm not free. What's the point? Why do anything? But I'm going to show you that that is the opposite of what you should be feeling now. I feel what you feel, but this is a very simplifying, empowering idea. It clears away all the clutter and lets us, and lets us just get straight to the chase, to changing our lives. Another kind of experiment or idea comes from Mike Gazziniga at UCSB and, and Joseph Ledoux at NYU. That's the whole uh, famous split brain stuff where they cut the corpus callosum that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. The left side uh, tends to be the language explanation uh, story-based side of ourselves. Not always, but usually. And when they cut that bridge between the two hemispheres where they normally would communicate with each other and they'd be able to, the visual data and the language bit data and all that stuff would be kind of tied up together. When the language side was off there all on its own and it saw the body, the hand doing something, it came up with a reason. Why are you moving your hand that way? Well, I'm, uh, I need to open the door. Why are you, uh, why are you eating that? Well, uh, because I'm, I'm hungry. And it's... Why did you move to Japan for work? We come up with reasons. We come up with explanations, stories. Humans, homo sapiens, are built on stories. Society exists because of stories. All this stuff, money, football games, parties, job titles, companies, all this stuff is just a bunch of stories, governments, countries. It's just stories. We believe in it, and therefore it exists. Just like free will is a story. The self, the idea of a self, it's a story. It's a very convenient one. There are things happening in this universe, and for whatever reason, we have this conscious access to it. And we don't know what to think of all this. We want to make sense of it. And the way that our brain is structured, especially this prefrontal cortex, is we use language. We have reasons. We have explanations. And with that comes stories. And even if, like shown in the experiments from Benjamin Labette, that we aren't, our prefrontal cortex is not actually choosing the action, but some of these other causes are, we still have to come up with a story. And as long as it kind of fits in, it kind of makes sense, it kind of makes sense, then we can go with it. And the one we've been going with, especially in the West, is, is that we have a self and then we have free will. And that 
That works. But it's false, or at least science says it is. There are even those thought suppression experiments from Daniel Wegner at Harvard, where it's like that whole thing, uh, don't think of a white bear, don't think of a polar bear. What do you do? You think of it. Why Why did you do that? Why did you choose to do that? I, I, I didn't choose. Ha, huh, see? You don't have free will. Stop, you're still doing it. Why are you doing that? I said, don't think of a white bear. And yet you keep thinking about it. And yet you say you have free will? Well, they might, you might say, well, well, there's some things I, I can't stop. That's a freaking thought. You can't do that. What can you do? You might say, okay, well, I'm, I'm choosing to move my left hand here. Okay. But do you know anything about what's going on in your limbic system, in your neurochemicals, in your hormones, in your any part of your body, in your sensory environment? In what happened yesterday? In what happened in your parents' childhood that caused them to be the way they are, to raise you the way you are, to to believe what you do? All those ideas you learned in school, all those habits you learned in childhood, all those fears and traumas and all that that built you to where you are today, that is just not playing a role that this moment is what's in control just separated from all the rest, a single neuron or set of neurons that somehow broke free from the rest of the universe and are just acting on their own? It doesn't make sense. So yeah, I'm with with those minority of, of people, people like Sam Harris, Susan Blackmore, Robert Sapolsky, all these guys and gals who have given up the idea of free will. And you look at these people and they don't seem unhappy. They actually seem quite calm and relaxed and actually in a way um, more free. It's also no coincidence that a lot of them are deep meditators, long-term meditators. And through meditation, what do you realize? (laughs) These thoughts just arise. These actions, these impulses just pop up. And Beyond that, that the self is just an illusion, that you are deeply connected to not only your own past, your own individual past, and neurochemical past, but your culture, your history, and the evolution of your species, and even beyond that, the species that came before you, and even the land before time, the land before all of that. It's all just a big interconnected web of dominoes. Butterflies flapping their wings, or more specifically, butterflies having their wings flapped by the other butterflies whose wings are flapped by this or that. Change is still possible even if we aren't the agent of that change. Stories will arise in our mind. We will feel like we are the hero on this journey, we've seen all these movies that tell us that's how life works. There's a main character in these books, on these movies. And that character takes actions and changes the story, changes the actual events in the world, changes the world. 
And that's, that's, that's an idea that, that works. That's one way to think about things. But for me, that's a little bit like swimming against the current. It's making life so complicated and it's eating us up inside because just like when you're swimming against that current, there's a lot of pain involved. There's a lot of struggle and we blame ourselves for not doing what we wanted to do. We blame ourselves for being weak, for caving into that addiction or not overcoming this habit for not doing what we said we were going to do. And then we blame others. We judge others for not being perfect, for being bad, for doing bad things, for being stupid, for being lazy, for being addicts, for being crazy. But then once you, like the Buddhists, like these meditators, like brilliant people like Susan Blackmore and Robert Sapolsky and Sam Harris and more, how they've kind of given up this sense of self, this lone ranger in the world of causal determinism, this angel free in a sea of dominoes and billiard balls. You get rid of that and it's like, whoa, I just, I just am. This just is. And yes, this is a bit of a ramble. This is what happens when I just talk, but ooh, what is going to come out of this? What is going to come out of this? <sighs> who am I? Who are you? You might say that you are your rational mind, that you are that thing up there in the top of the command tower above your eyes, that that's you. This arm is not you. The heart, the lungs, the feet, the blood, that is not you. And certainly that other person in front of you who's talking to you, who's changing you, who's giving you information, the sensory information, these ideas, this knowledge, that is not you. That book, that class, that experience, that is not you. Yesterday, that was you, but now you're here. Those animals, the nature, the sun, the trees, that is definitely not you. <laughs> but when you see how interconnected everything is, how everything causes everything else, you open up your sense of self. You start by expanding from your prefrontal cortex to the larger brain, the brain that includes the limbic system and the brain stem and the reptile and the mammal inside of you. The thoughts and the reasons together with the emotions and the past and the instincts and the simple stupid stuff like hunger and thirst and sex and heartbeats and that is all you. And then you bring it down the spinal cord, you bring it out into the body and you see, whoa, I'm in my heart, I'm in my lungs, I'm in my gastrointestinal tract. These bacteria are me. These legs are me. This air is me. As you breathe in, you breathe out, and you drink that water, you say, well, the water is me, the air is me. When you look out at the world with your eyes, you see those trees entering you and say, whoa, the trees are me. This all is me. And therefore, even if the rational prefrontal cortex cannot change on its own. It cannot direct this ship. That it does not have control all on its own. And even the brain, the brain itself 
isn't fully in control. It's controlled by a lot of other things, your culture and your past and your genes and your evolution of the species and the universe, everything that happened before it and that is connected to that whole chain of causes, that swarm of butterflies with their wings being flapped, the sea crashing into all the other seas, that is all you. That is all you. So you open up and you open up and you open up and you widen your sense of self. And then this idea that we are not free, that we do not have free will, doesn't seem to bother you so much anymore. Because then it's like, well, what, what even is freedom? Freedom is independence. Freedom is being alone. Freedom is being able to separate yourself from all this other stuff. Well, what is there to separate yourself from? You are everything. Everything is you. So when change occurs, when an action occurs and you're you're part of that network, you feel it, you experience it. It's touching your body, this body that you're inhabiting. Then that's change. Who changed it? What changed it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But change still is possible. And it's so freeing just to let yourself ride along this ocean. This ocean that is continuously undulating, moving, changing. This world is change. Like the Taoists and the Buddhists say, everything is change. This is Heraclitus back here in the 21st century, alive with us today. Everything is changing. And everything is changing together. Things are moving into each other, pulling each other this way and that. And instead of pushing yourself through this world, just allow yourself to get pulled and be conscious of that or don't. But you will change because you are part of a large universal entity that is always changing. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next year. You don't know how your life is going to go. You don't even know what you're going to do next, what you're going to think next, what you're going to do next a second from now. You might think you do, but that's already been decided for you based on all of the previous inputs, the inputs that are in your cells and your genes, but also um, in your mind through the knowledge and ideas and, and books and lectures and people that you've met that have given you new ideas. The power of the fact that we make stories, that stories will change our life information in the form of knowledge and beliefs and all of these things, this will change your life. You're not changing your life, but this information, this knowledge is changing you. So as long as you somehow through luck or randomness or whatever, encounter these ideas, these bits of information in the form of sensory experience or actual words and, and books and podcasts and all of that, then you will change. And we're living in a world flooded in information. How are you not going to have these ideas and these sensations enter into your eyes and ears and mouth and blood and brain? How is that not going to happen? You're walking through this world, you're living in this world where new stuff enters you. New parts of yourself, new parts of your larger universal self are crashing into you, pulling you away into this way and that, and you are changing. That book changed you. That lecture changed you. That person you met changed your life. 
did you choose to meet that person? Did you really choose to take that class? You know, you look at the big things in your life, who you married, uh, where you're living, uh, what job you're doing, all these things. And if you look at it, you did not choose it. It was some small little unconscious act leading you to walk into that bar or say hello or smile or wake up at this certain time that led you to walk down the street at that exact moment. These small little things determine all the big things. And we're saying, I'm planning my life. I'm planning my life. I did this because of that. People say, people say, why, why did you move to Japan? I say, well, I, I don't know. There was no reason. And that's, that's the way I've always sort of felt. And people do not like that. They're like, uh, for work? I'm like, yeah, for work. I sometimes get a little bit more honest. I say, well, I moved here because I was drunk. And it's true. I was drunk when I moved to Japan. I was living in Korea. I was teaching English there. And I had gone on vacation to Japan just a week prior. And I met this girl. And I liked her. I had fun with her. It was great. I felt alive. And I was curious about this new land, this new place, Japan. And I, I wanted to go. Why? I don't know. Well, I had also been to Japan six months prior to that. Because why? Well, because it was winter break and uh, my school gave me some time off. Okay. Well, why did that happen? Well, I don't know. That's how culture is. It was Christmas. And why, why, do, why is Christmas? A, uh, why does that exist? Uh, I don't know. Why did I go with these friends to Japan instead of uh, these other friends who were going to the Philippines? Um, because my best friend from university was in the group that was going to Japan. So I, I wanted to hang out with him. Why, why did you want to hang out with him? Well, uh, we had certain experiences in university that felt good, that, that bonded us together. We became friends. Why, why did you become friends? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Because I was living in this house. I was living in this co-op. Well, why, did, why did you move there? Uh, because I, I went to university and I had, I had to live somewhere and uh, maybe somebody told me about it. Maybe I heard about it somewhere. Well, why did you talk to that person? Because I'm a, a, a social animal and I, I, I walk around and people talk to me sometimes. Well, why, why do they talk to you? I, I, I think it's just wired into us as a species. We, we talk. You know, so you can go back and back and back and back. And even why did I go to Berkeley? I didn't believe it was possible. Well, I, I had a professor who believed in me and he, he kind of guided me. How did I meet that professor? Well, I'm back at community college, and why am I at community college? Because my parents tell me I have to go in order to stay on the health insurance. Why did I take that philosophy class of all classes? I don't know. It was open. It was available at the time, and I didn't know what philosophy was, and I just took it. Boom. It changed my life. A casual little click on the computer. I can go back and back and back and back to all these things, and you're going to realize... There are all these reasons, even on the rational level, it never ends. I mean, if I continue the story, you're going to click out of this episode because it's going to take me 100 years to, to tell this story of why I moved to Japan. Why did you move to Japan? I, I got drunk. All this stuff came together and then the final push was I got drunk, I lost my rational mind, and I just moved. And I, and I knew what was going on then. I knew, I told myself, if I wake up tomorrow morning, I know I'm going to be rational. I didn't know about the prefrontal cortex back then, but I knew 
I was this logical creature because I am human and I'm a especially logical human for better or worse. And I knew after I woke up the next day that it would make no sense to move to Japan. All my, I had a job in Korea. I, all my stuff was there. I had clothes in the dry cleaner. Uh, I had a phone. I had friends. I was starting to get used to things. And then I was going to leave to Japan with no job, with no visa, with no plan, with not even a plan of where I'm going to stay that first night, with nothing, with hardly even any money in the bank, only $1,000 or so. And I did it. You think that, that's just, that's idiot. What the heck are you doing? But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think like I chose to move here. And it wasn't even just alcohol, but it was part of it. And just like those split brain experiments, what you do on alcohol, what I do on alcohol shows me also that I am not in control. I do things. I say things. I mean, I move countries and I am not the one choosing it. I think you experience this too. When you didn't get enough sleep, when you drank too much alcohol, ate too much sugar, you're doing certain things that kind of shut down your prefrontal cortex a bit. That shuts down the reasons, that shuts down the language and the stories, and you kind of just move. I think we've all kind of given up on the idea that these lower brain structures are free. We know that we don't choose to beat our heart, or our bones don't have free will, and even our brainstem, even these reptilian parts, the cerebellum and all these things are not free. We breathe. Our heart beats. Our blood pumps. All these things happen on their own. Those parts of the brain don't have free will. Our muscles don't exactly. Well, our brain somehow, this decision-making thing, this prefrontal cortex does. But you can just get rid of all that. Get rid of all that. Free will is an illusion. And it's an illusion that isn't even very helpful. It just leads to a lot of frustration, self and other criticism. It takes us away from the purity of life, the simple actions we can take. And you might say, how the heck can you take actions if you're not free? I know I might be running around in circles trying to express this, and I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. We can be acted upon by the things in our environment, the people, the world out there, the food we ingest, the neurochemicals that are going through our brains. We can't control it all, but all of these things will change us. So if we want to change, we need to let ourselves be changed. We need to encounter these new things. Go into new worlds, get new information, eat the right stuff, do the right things. I know we're still going in circles. Well, how do you encounter new things? How do you do it? How do you change if you can't change yourself? My answer, you just get lucky. You just get lucky. You bump into things. You bump into people. You find that book. And this is why... Some people just never get ahead in life. Some people are always unhealthy. They're always addicted. They're always in bad relationships. They stay big dummy dummies or whatever. They get trapped somewhere because they just never get that random influence. They never, they never get that that person that comes into their life and changes them or that book that, that changes them. They just somehow, 
they're stuck in this little bubble of the world in a small country town or whatever, and it never happens. But I believe it's going to happen more and more today, more and more these days, because with our access to information and education and with AI, despite all of its scary, dangerous problems, we are going to be changed. We are going to encounter these other things that are going to change our beliefs. And when you change your beliefs, you change your story. And even though that story is not running the show, not the conscious part of the story, the unconscious part of that story, those neural circuits controlled by chemicals like dopamine and acetylcholine and epinephrine and all this stuff, that is running the show. That is moving you. That is changing you. So just all you got to do is... Let yourself be changed. It seems like there might be some kind of randomness to this now, though. If it's letting ourselves be changed, then we, we, maybe we'll change for worse. How do we direct our life? Hmm. How do we direct our life? Once again, I think there's a little bit of luck, but luck builds on luck. When you learn one new thing from a book or a podcast or whatever, that just changes you. And it especially does so in those neuroplastic years of birth to about age 25. During those times, our brains, our nervous systems are evolving, are changing, are making connections and removing connections in completely automatic ways and passive ways. Just by being, just by experiencing, just by being in that class or talking to that person, that is going to change you. It's easy to learn. It's easy to change as a child because that's what life is. You are an agent of change. Not even an agent of change. You are a creature being changed by the world around you for better or worse. And this is where a lot of the luck and unluck comes in. Who were your parents? Who were your teachers? Where did you live? Where were you from? What was your culture? What was your religion? All these things completely out of our control shape our nervous system in those neuroplastic years where we are completely at the whims of our environment and our those outside influences. They change us. We believe it. We, can't, we don't question it. There is no free will as a child. Even if there is free will as an adult, somehow if you want to say, okay, the prefrontal cortex, that decision-making, intention-making power thing, that thing that comes up with the stories and logic and reason, that that is free. We don't have that as a baby. Babies are definitely not free. Children are not free. Children are like those leaves blowing in the wind or that rock being thrown or that dog being walked. Maybe more than all that, but not much more. And they just got to take what they get. And this is a sad part of all this free will debate. The fact that if we don't have free will, then childhood is what a vulnerable state that is. How freaking sad that is. (laughs) And how empowering it is. But man, you just got born with the wrong parent. Get born in the wrong neighborhood and this built you who you are. But the good thing is, even in adulthood, even after age 25, even up until old age 60 or 70 or whatever, we are still neuroplastic. We still can change. We're not going to change all passively and automatically like the way we did in our youth, in our childhood. Well, we still can change. Yet there's a recipe for change. We need certain neurochemicals. We need epinephrine. We need acetylcholine. We need dopamine. In other words, we need focus. We need concentration. We need motivation. We need energy. We need all of these things. And when we put all those things 
into our brain via the way we move our eyes or the sleep that we get or the foods that we eat or the ways that we think, the books that we read. Even if we're not choosing how to move our eyes, we're not choosing what to eat, we're not choosing what to read or any of that. It's just sort of thrusted upon us. Even then, these things will change our neurochemistry and they will change the movements of our body. They will transport us into new locations, into new classes, into new relationships and push us away from other things. Once you change your belief about something, even if you're not changing the belief, but once that belief is changed, once those neural circuits are rewired in a certain way, there's this momentum. It starts leading you in that better direction, a healthier direction. It builds and builds and builds. And you're not building it, but it's building itself. And boom, your life has changed. Your life is better. That one book set off a new series of dominoes leading you into this other direction. That one person you met completely changed your life. You're not changing it, but you are being changed. If we were like all the other mammals or the other animals, we wouldn't be able to make such rapid change. Yes, the environment, the sensory experience, the animals, the enemies, the world out there would be changing us, would change our habits. We learn to fight and run away and hunt in new ways. But humans are social creatures with language and we aren't only changed by what we see and hear and what we experience, these non-linguistic experiences, the sensory information, we are changed by words, by stories themselves. We can just talk to someone, have a conversation with someone, or listen to a podcast or read a book, and that'll change us. It'll really, really change us if we're young, you know, for a teenager, for a child, for under age 25 or so, where everything just soaks in. We just learn a language. Boom. We just learn how to think in a new way. We adopt a new religion because because it's there, because it found us, because we these two billiard balls bumped into one another. Whoa. But even as an adult, if somehow, I, I don't know how to find that book or how to find that person or how to even choose it, but you are moving and the world around you is moving and together, just through randomness, through unpredictability, things will collide. You will be changed. Just you wait. Words alone. Of course, and it requires a lot of focus and concentration. We need those neurochemicals, specifically acetylcholine and epinephrine and dopamine to get us to remember and learn and change our nervous system. Or it needs to be a really surprising or shocking or outstanding experience to really nail it in there. But you will change. Wow. And so now it's like you can you can start to like let go of of of, of being the main actor of of, of of riding that horse, and you can just let the horse take you where it goes and enjoy the ride. It's not a passive, lazy, giving up kind of attitude. And you're still conscious, you're still kind of watching what's going on. But instead of saying, oh, I chose to drink that drink, you just pick that drink up and, and you drink it and say, it's, it's being drunk. This, this thing here is drinking this drink. Why? I don't know. But the more you drink it, the more that keeps changing you. And how do you get over addiction or how do you get over some bad habit? How do you how do you get better? I think there is a bit of a miracle. There's a bit of magic or luck in all this. 
you just find that right influence or series of influences. But they will come. And you will be changed. And if the world itself becomes a more positive thing, if people become more positive, if all the books and the news and this overall larger societal stuff gets better, the more every individual is going to get better. This also really highlights the fact that your environment, that your nutrition, that the people you are with, the things that you consume, the information, the things you watch and read and all, and all that, that is super, super important because that is where your free will, if it exists, lies. That is where the change exists. It exists in those those things that are coming into you. Those are you. Those are your future. It's very, very, very simple. You can stop trying to fight against the tide and say, oh, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. You know, you, you say, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to write this book, but meanwhile, in the background, your neurochemistry and your hormones are just not there. It will not allow that. So what do you do? You take those actions, small actions after actions, actions start being taken. These movements start start occurring. When you get this new information in your life through the senses or through education or through your social experiences or whatever, that new information yeah, you might have a conscious uh, memory of this information. You might be able to recall those things you learned, but that 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 doesn't really matter. It's beyond that. It's an unconscious sort of belief and knowledge, those new w- neural wirings that are going on inside of your brain that are changing your movements and changing your thoughts and changing your actions. We talked about earlier in those uh, Benjamin Labette experiences of where the conscious decision to act came after all the unconscious stuff. That's exactly what I'm talking about. But the thing is, we can change or our unconscious movements, those uh, parts of our brain, those neural wirings can change. That unconscious can change, but we, we can't change it right now. It's it's controlled by all the stuff, that information and the people and experiences we had in the past. And we are continuing to have new experiences. We're getting new information. So that all is getting resorted. All those uh, connections between the neurons, the unconscious brain, that's all changing. And as a result, you know, next year, n- next week or whatever, when you take that action or you, you have that thought, you might say, ha, I have a new thought. I have a new idea. I took a new action. Ha, I'm changing. And that might feel like free will. That might feel like, oh, I'm changing and therefore I'm free. But what's really going on probably is... Your unconscious had already changed. Those neural wirings, those neurochemicals had already changed based on the inputs that came in days and weeks prior. You get changed and then you change. And just because you have that experience of this conscious experience of doing something new, of doing something that you didn't do before, or, you know, stopping yourself from doing something that you normally would do, that doesn't mean that's causing it. Like Daniel Wegner was saying, it's all about the timing. <laughs> we have this thought, this conscious experience, this subjective experience that we're going to do something. This decision kind of feels like it's in our brain. I'm going to open that door. I'm going to go to the cafe today. I'm going to move this way. I'm going to do this thing. We have that thought, and then the action, the movement comes later. And just because the thought comes first, we assume, ha, huh, cause must come before effect, the cause must be my conscious brain, this 
this thought, this me, this free thing must be doing this. But even if all these dominoes are starting to fall in place and start moving before we're conscious of it, they are moving. And moving the hand, moving the body takes a lot of time. That's a lot of a lot of things that gotta happen before that happens. They're just a thought that's quicker. But the body is moving before we see it move, before we experience it moving. The action is being taken. It's not completed, but it's starting to be taken. It's being initiated before the thought arises. So we have this sort of action being generated in the background, invisible, while we are still, while we don't seem to be doing it. And then in the middle of that process, a thought pops up in our head and we say, ha, I'm going to do it. And then the action that's already been generated, that's already been initiated earlier before the thought, it finally completes and the hand moves or the leg moves or the you say this thing, the words come out of your mouth and you say, ha, I chose that. But we just don't see the underside of that iceberg. We don't see all the processes happening in the background and other parts of our brain and body. And because of that, we just see the ending without seeing all the process involved. And therefore, we say we're free. We correlate this thought, this feeling of intention, of free action, with the action that comes afterwards. I'm going to kick that ball, and then I kicked it. Therefore, I thinking I will kick that ball caused me to kick that ball. But as we know in all of science, correlation does not mean causation. We need experiments scientific experiments to show where the cause really is. And people like Benjamin Labette did that. And there are more and more and more. The brain creates our thoughts and the body creates a brain and the sensory world and the social world and the knowledge world and everything out there changes the body and the brain and everything else. This consciousness is just a tiny, tiny piece of it all and we can let go of it. Another worry about this dissolution of the self and free will is people might think that society will run amok and that society will collapse, that people will stop doing good things, that they will commit crimes, that they will that there will be no responsibility. But I, I, I don't think that's the case because we are still social creatures who want to connect, that want to that are incentivized to act in certain ways, whether we're conscious of it or not, that's going to happen. It doesn't matter. We can't help it. The story doesn't need to be there. We are animals trying to survive and trying to connect, trying to reproduce, trying to feel good, trying to feel pleasure and run away from pain. And with or without the prefrontal cortex, without, with or without language, We're going to do that. We're going to do it a lot better with language. These stories help us communicate with one another. That's why Homo sapiens is able to rise to the power, the power that it has. Because we can change each other in faster ways. We can transmit information through these sound waves and through these symbols and things that other animals cannot do. We can create these illusions that actually build societies and create it all to build these civilizations. When things are useful and they help us live as a homo sapien, 
will do it. We all know that money's an illusion. We all know that governments are an illusion. We all know that jobs and titles and all of these roles in life, these names we give ourselves, it's all just kind of made up stuff, but it, it works. It functions. It allows us to get those neurochemicals, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphin, all that good stuff that helps us live and helps us survive, helps us feel good. And those are going to keep flowing whether we're free or not. I think the world might become a more peaceful and, and happy place if we all stop believing in free will. Because when you drop the free will, you start to get more connected. Yes, connected with the rest of your brain and body, but also with each other, with nature, with the universe. You realize if I'm not doing this, what is? And you just it just forces you to keep zooming out and zooming out and zooming out and your, your sense of self dissolves. You say, I'm, I'm just one with this and things are going, this is how things are going and I'm over here and experiencing it in this way and I'm changing along with it. I'm just going with it. Bad things happen in life. You do bad things. Good things happen. You do good things, but you're not a good person or you're not a bad person or you're not stupid or any of that. You're just where you are in this universe through luck or unluck, through randomness. You are where you are and you are moving. You are being changed. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop focusing on this whole free will thing and decision and choosing. Just do the action. You realize that action itself, however small, is rewiring your nervous system, is changing your brain, is changing your habits, is reconnecting and disconnecting neurons. The information you consume, the food you eat, the people you talk to, these are all rewiring your nervous system. These are changing you. This is how your life changes. Your life changes by the inputs that are fed into it. You don't choose where you go. You don't choose where you live. You don't choose who you marry or who you talk to or what you read or any of that. You don't even choose what you eat. You don't choose what to say. But you are being impacted. So just focus on that environment. Focus on all that stuff around you. Focus on those influences. Say, okay, um, if I want to become good, if I want to become this way or that, let's bring in more of these positive influences. Let's put myself in that kind of environment. And even if you can't consciously choose where you're going to go, you can simplify your psychology by stop battling with yourself and stop beating yourself up for not doing what you wanted to do and just realize, oh, I did this or I thought this because of these past inputs. Simple. It's freaking math. Just put good stuff in. And of course, you can't control all the inputs all the time. You, Yeah, you might want to get rid of your TV, but you just can't. You might want to cut off that relationship or break up with her, but you can't. You might want to quit that job or move to another country or healthier city. You want more money, blah, 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 but you can't. Okay, you can at least stop blaming yourself and see, well, why did I do these bad things, these supposed bad things? Why am I weak? Why am I addicted? Why do I keep doing all these things that I don't want to do and not doing the things I say I'm going to do? Well, let's look at the dominoes. Let's look at the past. Let's look at what happened. Let's see what led to this. 
How do we sleep last night? What do we eat? How do we move our eyes? What time do we wake up? Who do we talk to? What information did we consume? What entered us? What changed us? What butterflies flapped their wings into our being, merging ourselves with them? Jim Rohn says that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. And this idea of, of, of no free will totally explains that because you are merging with those other selves. Those are impacting you and you are impacting them. And it's not just the five people you spend the most time with. It's every person you meet or at least every person that you meet while you're in a neuroplastic state. As a child, for example, you're, you're very neuroplastic. You're very uh, influenceable. Those experiences, those people, those places, those books, those teachers, everything is going to change you, almost guaranteed. And as an adult, not everything's going to change. You might you might watch that movie or read that book and it completely gets forgotten. You think that class is going to change your life, but you're just not focused. You don't have the right neurochemicals of focus and learning and concentration to let you do that. But assuming the right conditions, assuming you're in a neuroplastic state, you have those neurochemicals of plasticity, you're going to change. Those five people are going to impact you. Those 500 people are going to impact you. Every book is going to change you. And then, say you read 500 books this year. You talk to these great people that you never would talk to. Some of these people I'm getting lucky to interview in my podcast, for example. Just one or two of those people. You move to a new location where everything changes. Whoa, that's a whole new world of information. And you're going to merge with it. It is going to merge itself into you. It is going to change you. And that is where change occurs. Okay, woo! Thank you so much for listening to me try to articulate my feelings about free will. To sum it up, I'm sad to say we are not free. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It simplifies our psychology. We can just get straight to the practical steps, the actions, the information, the things that we consume and don't consume, the environment and all of this, and just look at it more as a simple math, as obvious cause and effect. If you want this effect, put in this cause. Well, I, I want to put this. I want to put in this cause. We can't choose the causes. You just gotta, just gotta go where you go, and let it take you there. Hopefully you'll get lucky and you'll just encounter one or two big, beautiful butterflies that sweep you up into a new world, a beautiful one, a heavenly one, a positive one. And you don't get dragged down by these stony, fire-breathing dragons crashing you into the ground. But even then, things can always change. Things will always change. That's one thing you can guarantee on. Whether we have free will or not, The world is changing and you are too. Don't judge yourself for being the way you are or you're not because there's nothing you could have done about it. There's no regret in this life because things just go the way they do. This sounds like a sad thing, but it's it's, it's very, it's a very lightening, freeing kind of feeling. You actually feel more free because you're like, oh, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think anything. I just got to exist. I just have to be in this world. But I know I will change, and it's exciting because you just watch the story unfold. One last point I want to make is, I, you might you might argue that if, if you read the description of this podcast, is that, that 
I'm trying to learn about and teach about brain health in order to increase our freedom. I think, what the heck? He doesn't believe in free will. What's he talking about? What I mean by freedom in that sense is a different kind of freedom. Even if we can't, even if we aren't free agents directing, causing the things outside of us, moving things around on of our own free will, there are things more powerful and larger than us. There are our governments, corporations, um, unhealthy but very powerful foods and drugs and things, people that do seem to be influencing us. And yeah, it might not be of our own free will to be able to, to separate ourselves from these these toxic, powerful entities. But since knowledge and beliefs and information and words can and do and necessarily do change our brain, especially if we have the right neurochemistry behind it, the neurochemistry that opens up plasticity and change, or if we're a child and we're just lucky and we have the language to understand it all too, then somehow through those words, through those changes in ideas, changing the way we think, those beliefs, even if they're not our beliefs, even if we didn't choose those beliefs, those beliefs change our actions and then that's just one step in the new direction. And then in that new direction, you find more empowering beliefs that change more actions and more actions and it builds and builds and builds. And even if though even though you're not building it, the life is being built. And it's being built through through knowledge, through new ideas, through stories. Whether they're true or not, it, it doesn't even matter. Whether all the stuff I'm saying on this podcast it, it, it's, it's, it's true or not, it, it doesn't even matter. But it'll move you if you're open to it moving you. And so that's what this podcast is about. It's about obtaining information about our brain that will therefore change our beliefs about how our brain works and how our body works, of who we are, of what this world is, and that by thinking about it and downloading these beliefs and remembering them, these new ideas, that will change our actions. And through those actions, we will separate ourselves from the dangerous bad guys out there. And in that sense, we'll be free because we'll be separated in a way from the kind of negative energy of the world, the energy that is bringing us down or bringing us in the wrong direction. We can't direct our lives. We can't choose where we're going to go, but we can get lucky. We can kind of somehow create a little bit of luck for ourselves or just encounter luck. We can stumble upon freedom. We can stumble upon freedom when we are touched by the positive forces of this universe. So freedom does exist, but we are not free. Thank you for listening. I love you. I'll see you soon.